African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa for a new week of our program where we look at the big subject matters on the continent. Remember, you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Don't forget our website. You can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're discussing the Rwandan elections. Uh, It's already confirmed that Paul Kagame has won a third term as president of Rwanda with an overwhelming 98% of votes from Friday's elections. Now, these numbers are overwhelming. Kagame received 6.6 million votes, while the two opposition candidates only received 80,000. Now, this exceedingly impressive win sees the uh, third seven-year term uh, uh, as a symbol for some people. Some are calling it that it's a, uh, actually a shows the popularity of Paul Kagame himself and the uh, transformation of Rwanda from its history of a genocide to a society with a transforming economy. Now, to start off this conversation, we're joined by Simon Allison, who is the Mail and Guardian Africa editor, uh, joining us from South Africa. Simon, thank you for giving us your time. It's a pleasure, Benjamin. Now, look, it's an interesting election indeed, this one. It's an overwhelming win. What were your views when you saw this particular outcome, Simon? You know, um, Benjamin, alarm bells go off in my head. Mm. Anytime I see anyone um, win an election in excess of 90%, sure. um, just because no one is that popular. Nelson Mandela was not that popular. Mahatma <laughs> Gandhi was not that popular. Um <laughs> It seems like um, a, a, a very exceptional person um, that gets a, a popularity of 99%. That is simply extraordinary. It is incredible. And I mean incredible in the most literal possible um, meaning of the word. Incredible means not that believable. And you wonder, what is going on in Rwanda that has earned Paul Kagame 99% of the vote? Is this vote free and fair? Are there structural factors that go into um, creating a result um, as impressive as this one sounds at first glance? And um, I have to conclude, yes. Well, it is a big surprise. 90% is a huge, overwhelming win. As I uh, reflected on it, I called it lopsided and overwhelming and almost unbelievable. But let's look at Kagame as a leader in... uh, Rwanda from transforming, uh, you know, this reputation of Rwanda from its genocidal identity to it becoming this uh, now society being seen as one that's transforming and becoming this beacon of African prosperity and stability, according to the West. Your thoughts about Paul Kagame? 
Well, you know, it, it, it is really interesting, uh, the things he has done and achieved in Rwanda. And when you are walking around Kigali and walking around the countryside in Rwanda, you can really see the development. You can see how far the country has come. The streets are clean. It is incredibly safe. Um, there certainly is um, a level of, of development that has been achieved. But I really think that um, President Kagame risks sullying this potentially positive legacy by the fact that he is not really allowing any space for civil and political rights for his people. And this is particularly true for any kind of opposition parties. It is true for journalists, independent journalists, who are pretty much non-existent anymore in Rwanda. I mean, there's something like 60, 70 journalists have been forced to flee the country. Some have been killed. Some have been tortured. And what that means is as much as Kagame paints a pretty picture of what's going on in Rwanda, we actually don't have any way to check on the accuracy of that picture. Um, as much as, as the statistics sound incredible for the development um, that he has presided over, we have no way of, of checking if those statistics are actually true. Even the United Nations um, has said that its independent statisticians who've been trying to collect development statistics have run into trouble from the government and been unable to do their work, um, and so have, have not been able to you know, independently verify the things that Kagame says he is doing. So while I'm sure that there are positive gains that have been made in Rwanda, we don't actually know what those are because Kagame is not letting us um, independently verify them. We just have to take his word for it. Well, let's look at this particular issue, especially of this particular win in itself. I'm interested in the view of the fact that what you're highlighting, do you think that Kagame has an overwhelming institutional control at this particular point? And that brings us back to uh, just the depth of this particular win, the 99% or so. Is it because we're seeing uh, some saying that uh, Kagame is sliding towards a form of authoritarianism, of uh, ruling that his new style, but doing it in um, a very overted manner? Look, I, I think that there is no doubt that, that Paul Kagame is an authoritarian ruler, um, and even his own officials don't deny that. If you speak to them in private, um, they'll say quite openly, yes, we know we don't tolerate opposition, and um, the reason that they offer for this is that Rwanda needs this kind of iron fist to maintain its stability, and without the iron fist, it would explode into civil war and, and, and more violence. Um, and, and that is certainly a, a question that African leaders and Africans themselves have to, you know, we have to be asking ourselves, is, is that true? Um, do African countries require a strong man in order to um, effectively develop themselves? Because that's really the argument that is, is being made here. Now, I'm going to take a quick break and, and we'll come back to you in, in terms of looking at these elections themselves. Let me uh, take a quick break and I, I'd love to get your views on uh, the opposition figures themselves. There were only two this time around and there were also questions around why there's only two. I know that there were some who were uh, disqualified from some processes as well in terms of standing in for elections. But you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Perspective. 
Uh, remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And also, remember, we're on the channel uh, 802 on DSTV. Don't forget our website is www.channelafrica.co.za. We've been trying to get some of our other experts. We'll see if we can uh, get hold of them uh, to continue the discussion with them. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, the African Perspective. We broadcast from Johannesburg in South Africa and our main aim is to provide you with news, views, knowledge and entertainment from Africa to Africans and listeners from around the world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Diana Wanyonye in Mombasa. For Channel Africa, I am Kumbero Munjarere in Johannesburg. Channel Africa, Kinshasa, Jean-Noël Bamweze. Reporting for Channel Africa from Zambia, I am Hilda Kekelwa. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, uh, giving you that African uh, uh, voice, that African perspective. And uh, today we're looking at uh, uh, this particular win, the overwhelming win of Rwanda elections. And we already started the conversation with uh, Simon Allison, the Mail and Guardian Africa editor, really looking at uh, uh, the real issues. He's saying it's problematic that 99% it's overwhelming to see uh, that kind of a win in any type of uh, election himself. But I want us to look at the under uh, candidates uh, with you, uh, Simon. I know that uh, uh, there was one, Mr. Habaneza, a former journalist uh, who was also anticipating the fact that he would probably get uh, 61% or so elections. I'm sure it's a big uh, disappointment to him as well. And uh, uh, it's interesting to see also Ms. Regara as well as well, who's a, an accountant who led uh, the group in, in, in that particular opposition there. Uh, do you think these two opposition candidates um, had a reputation to actually overwhelm the uh, Kagame uh, influence? I, I, I don't think so. I think the way that the Rwandan political system is set up means there's very little room for opposition candidates to build a name for themselves. Um, one example of this is that they're only given three weeks prior to the election to actually campaign, and that's very little time to, um, to, to sort of make your name in the country. Um, they're also not allowed, or, or it's made very difficult for them to raise independent party funding. Um, so they're operating on very, very small war chests, whereas the ruling Rwandan Patriotic Front um, has access to plenty of cash through its um, very lucrative investment arm. Um, onto the mm. candidates specifically, you know, you've got Frank Habineza, who leads the Green Democratic Party, and he, 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 he the particular quote he said um, just before this election, which I think is quite revealing, and I'm going to read it to you now. He said, "We are still treated as if we are enemies, but so far in this election, no one in our party has been killed or imprisoned or harassed, and that means at least some progress." Now, if wow. you look at this quote, yeah. what it's really saying it's is nuances, that's how low yeah. the bar is. Mm. Um, it means if, if, if no one's killed, then, then we're doing well. Of course, we know from South Africa, um, as a thriving democratic society, even here, opposition parties 
face all kinds of sort of systemic hurdles that they have to overcome when they're trying to take on a ruling party, even when they're not being killed or imprisoned or harassed. So there really is a mountain to climb for Rwandan opposition parties. The other figure you mentioned, Diane Rubigara, and actually I, I interviewed her before the election, and she was um, quite a few weeks before. Mm-hmm. She was very upbeat. She was. Uh, she thought she really had a chance. Um, and then she was actually disqualified from running in the election at all on a technicality by the independent electoral board. Mm-hmm. They said she had not collected enough signatures. Um, um, so apart, she had to collect 600 signatures from all the districts in order to run. They said that her signatures were not valid. She, of course, disputes that and um, says she was um, set up to fail by the Electoral Commission. So, you know, it, it really is a very difficult landscape for opposition candidates. Other opposition candidates in the past, you know, uh, Victoire Ingabire came back from exile mm. in, in, I think, 2009 sure. um, to run for power in that 2010 election. And she was actually locked up after making a speech in which she criticized the president. Now, if opposition candidates are not allowed to criticize the president, what exactly are they allowed to do? Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at the current status of, uh, you know, Rwanda in itself moving forward. I know I have to let you go soon, but what are your projections in terms of this n- new term for uh, Paul Kagame? Do you see things going the same way? Do you think there should be a challenge of uh, the political system in the countries? You've highlighted those uh, issues when it comes to uh, electioneering in itself. You know, it's, it's very difficult to gaze, gaze into the crystal ball. Sure. But, Benjamin, if you look at history, which is often the best guide for these kinds of things, and you think back to, you know, uh, Robert Mugabe's first couple of years in power where he, you know, put a lot of effort into the education system. Zimbabwe was the breadbasket of Africa, and he was hailed as a great liberator, a great reformer, a great democrat. And look where he is now. The same applies to people like Yoweri Museveni um, and plenty of other examples across Africa and the world where, you know, strong starts um, for leaders are undone when they sit in power for too long because then their focus turns to keeping themselves in power rather than building on the work they've already done. And my worry for Rwanda is that Paul Kagame has now put himself in a position where he has not groomed a successor. He has not um, instituted the kind of political reforms in terms of political and civil rights, that will mean that Rwanda can outlast him personally. He's really made it all about him, and that means he has to fight to keep himself in power, and that's not a good um, sign for Rwanda going forward. Well, thank you for giving us your time there. That's uh, Simon Ellison, who's the Mail and Guardian Africa editor. Uh, thank you for giving us your views. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with Dirk Kutsia, who is a political analyst as well, to uh, get his views on this issue. It's 11.20 Central African time. Let's take a quick one. We'll be back after this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, The African Perspective. Thank you for joining us here on our program. As we discuss uh, the overwhelming win of Kagame, 98%, who would have thought that was likely, especially if a country is transforming from its that genocidal history into into this what they call this transforming economy. It seems like there are still a politics of a persona here, and that personal, personality that... Uh, uh, Rwanda seems to be unwrapped around is Paul Kagame. Now, let me bring in um, Dirk Kutsia, Professor Dirk Kutsia, political analyst on this particular program. Professor, thank you for joining us once again here on Channel Africa. It seems like here yeah, we still have the politics of Rwanda surrounding themselves in one individual. Yes, that is indeed so. Um, President uh, Kagame really sort of it was the leader of the RPF during the Civil War um, that led to their assumption of power um, in 1994 after the genocide. And since then, he actually dominates in different capacities at the moment as, as president, but earlier on as vice president um, of, of Rwanda. So it is now for more than 20 years that he is actually the main figure um, in Rwanda. And the post-genocide period is absolutely dominated by him. Why do you think that he has so much dominance uh, in a country that is transforming itself? I know that it's a country that's starting to actually find its feet as well economically, uh, Professor. Well, most countries that are economically very successful are normally not democratic in nature. If you look at the Pacific Rim, for example, the Singapore, South Korea, um, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, all of them have been one-party states when they went through their very high growth period. And I think uh, Rwanda is actually going through the same process at the moment. And their main focus is to stabilize the, the situation, the domestic situation after the genocide, um, to try to prevent a recurrence of any sort of inter-ethnic conflict there, um, and by doing it through the way of high growth. It's almost the same logic as what is used at the moment by the Chinese, is to, that there's, in a sense, a domestic consensus that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of political space, but we are going to satisfy your needs by, by high economic growth. So that, that is, I, I, I think, what is, at this stage, acceptable to quite a number of people within Rwanda. The, the percentages, for example, the voting, the voter turnout was almost around about 96%, which is absolutely unusual for any election anywhere in the world, which is democratic in nature. Um, and the majority of President Kagame of 99% is just, well, it's impossible to explain it, um, because it is so radical that uh, in no other democratic election you will have that, those type of results. And what do those results show us in terms of uh, just the uh, systematic uh, uh, way of uh, Rwanda's elections? I was speaking to Simon Allison before you joined us, uh, Professor, and uh, he was talking about also the irregularities on uh, uh, the campaign process as well and also how uh, uh, really the process of uh, standing up as a candidate, uh, that seems uh, unfair according to Simon Allison, the fact that you can only do that in about a space of, of three weeks or a, a month period. It seems like a, a very much an equal way of campaigning. 
Yes, that was, and the the, uh, in the electoral commission played a very important role in that, in in basically governing or regulating the whole election process in in in, in order to close down the space for any opposition candidates to really become in, engaged and participate in the election. First of all, three of the main candidates were disqualified by the electoral commission. The two remaining ones were. Either one was an independent candidate and the other one of a small party. All their election campaigns had to be authorized by the Electoral Commission. Um, so there was a very direct intervention by the Electoral Commission in the content of the election, not only the process of the election campaign. Um, so there was, and they, they were also not allowed to, to be, to, to campaign in, in public in terms of posters and so on. Uh, without the, the, the explicit uh, approval of the uh, electoral commission, so it is—it's not the type of election campaign that we, for example, in South Africa is used to, or that uh, other neighbouring countries in Southern Africa are used to, um, because there's simply a closing down of the the space for campaigning, um, and it is the obvious impl uh, objective of that is to make it exceptionally difficult for anyone to challenge President Kagame and, and, his, and the RPF, the ruling party, um, and at the same time to still be seen as if it is an, a contestation amongst candidates, but in real terms there is actually no real contestation, and we've seen this in terms of the, the outcome of the election, the election results. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and uh, look at uh, the opposition with you as well because we also had commentary from our other guests. What uh, also was interesting hearing uh, from the opposition presidential candidate, Frank Abineza of the Green Party, saying that uh, he was denied access to polling stations. Also, uh, we heard also other opposition uh, members also really questioning this uh, uh, process. Uh, Jean-Claude Karayenzi, a banker, uh, says that uh, he was not surprised that the opposition fed so purely. So you have a lot of uh, uh, polarized views coming from the outcomes of this particular election. So we'll uh, deal with those issues when we come back, especially uh, how do you strengthen uh, opposition uh, 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 politics in Rwanda because that is a concerning area as we see things unfold in Rwanda. Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. Remember, in around 11.45, we'll have our uh, business news uh, coming in and also we'll have our sports thereafter. So do stay with us. We still have so much more coming up and uh, we have uh, uh, Professor Dekutse with us uh, giving us his insights. Before that, it was Simon Ellison, the mayor and God in Africa editor giving us his views. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. We have good news for you. Join us for a new program on Mondays at 9 Central African time. We have Shukumano, the African labor show for you. It takes the place of one-on-one -on -one and gives you an African view of the world of labor and unions on our continent. Channel Africa, the African perspective. This is the African Labour Show.
Well, right now you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, uh, Benjamin Mushatama, on this uh, particular conversation, uh, looking at uh, Rwanda. Uh, Kagame's win of re-election, seven-year term. That's a long time as well to have an influence over a country. 99% of a vote, but we know that uh, we respect the autonomy of every every country in itself as Rwanda. It's identifying its... Um, I, politics in their own uh, way. But let's come back to the strengthening opposition uh, politics uh, uh, in Rwanda, uh, Professor Dirk Kutsia. That's a concerning issue because, uh, you know, in these seven years, you don't really see a strong opposition culture in its politics. And uh, it really makes uh, the ruling party still maintain its um, supremacy in the country. Yes, and I, I think one of the main explanations for that is that the RPF is seen as the liberator of uh, Rwanda after the genocide. That, in a sense, they brought the stability after 1994 to the country. And it's almost the same as the liberation movements that we are very familiar with in, in southern Africa. Um, and that they've assumed a similar position to say that this is not just a normal political party um, which can be replaced by any other political party, but it is a party with a very specific mission and a national objective of how to restructure the Rwandan um, society and political system in a way to avoid any such situation uh, or recurrence of something like a genocide again. Um, and the way in which President Kagame has structured the political situation there, for example, to to prevent any form of discussion or, or formation of political parties that have any resemblance of the situation before in the form of parties that are either Hutu or Tutsi or, or any other group similar to that. Um, the fact, the way in which he structured the reconciliation process after the genocide, um, and but at the same time limit public debate and public discussion about that. So he, he has a very sort of what we can call a, a social engineering approach to the situation um, in, in Rwanda and how he wants to restructure or re-engineer the Rwandan uh, society in general. Um, and that creates the opportunity for him to completely dominate the situation because he's seen as the architect of, of this new, the new situation. Mm. But as I tried to explain earlier on, the payoff for that is to mm. say, well, you are going to benefit in an economic sense. So it's a trade-off between economic prosperity or more prosperity versus political openness. Mm. Um, and it appears as if there is some acceptance in the Rwandan society at this stage in favor of economic prosperity mm. and not so much of political participation. But let's go back to that um, strength of Paul Kagame. He has shown himself as this innovative president in terms of the ITC sector, actually improving things in in, in that regard and also opening up the economy to to more of a business way of thinking as an economic hub of East Africa. He has that identity to his name and it seems like he has been hailed from the West for having that kind of uh, uh, technocratic approach to uh, his uh, politics, but also innovative way of governance. He's kind of pushing innovation as a style of governance. Do you think there was an overwhelming attraction also for the voters and something that will carry him through these next seven years? 
Well, obviously from just what we see, the, the exceptionally high percentage of support that he received is that uh, there was either by choice or by coercion they have accepted it. Um, and I think we must not look at the results purely from a sort of objective point of view and say, okay, 69, uh, 96% or 99% supported him, so it's an overwhelming support uh, for his uh, it also depends about what was the political climate within which this happened. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes we have election results with exceptionally high turnouts or, or, or percentages support, but it was under a form of, of coercion also, or a climate of coercion also, or where there's not other options available to, to the voters. And I think to a large extent that is the case here. But you are correct that... Um, the international community in general is uncritical of the situation. They accept it, though they, they may see what is happening, but because of the relative stability within Rwanda, as well as the economic progress that they are making, that for the international community at this stage is more important than the political or the democratic nature of the society or the political system. Um, and the President Kogami is very, very good in, in utilizing that in order to, to galvanize that more and more support for himself. Is that a good thing, Professor, as, as we wrap it up, uh, having that kind of lopsided approach to things because it just shows kind of an inequality in terms of the world's views of human rights values when it comes to one country to another, especially African countries, how we've criticized them. Why are we giving Paul Kagame uh, that uh, exemption? Well, again, it is because he proves to be successful in, in the other spheres of, of the political situation and his form of governance. Um, and that is what most countries want. It gives us an indication that it is not about norms, about democratic norms in the first instance. Most of the international community will close their eyes if they can see the situation is not necessarily democratic, but it is at least stable. They don't have to become involved in terms of peacekeeping or other forms of intervention. Um, so they don't, they, there's not a responsibility for them to become involved in the situation. Um, and I think, again, President Kagame is very good in understanding these international dynamics. But the one thing which I just want to mention in, in closure sort of is the fact that this is now his third term as a president. Uh, the Constitution was changed in 19, uh, 2015 in order to make it possible. But as a result of this, he set a president which is now having implication for the whole region, most notably um, in the case of Burundi, where President Nkurunziza wanted to do the same thing, to extend his rule also. That led to an outburst within Burundi, lots of being, pe people being di displaced. The same is now being tried by President uh, Kabila in the DRC, and we know about the instability in the DRC now, the postponement of the presidential election there. But the point is, is that President Kagame set the example of that this is now becoming possible, which is actually against the international sort of preference that the president must serve for two terms only. Um, the same applied also in Uganda with Pres uh, President Museveni, who now has an unlimited number of uh, terms. So I think that's the political implication spilling over to the threat of the region, which is negative.
Well, thank you so much, uh, Professor, for giving us your time. We really appreciate your multifaceted views and your scientific uh, uh, way of looking at the political situations in various uh, uh, countries uh, on the African continent. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much. That is Professor Dirk Kutsia, who is a political analyst, giving us his time. Hey, give us your views. Remember, you can interact with us via our Twitter handle, at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. Uh, join that family as well. We'd like to for you to get updates of what's happening here on Channel Africa and get your insights on our uh, content. Remember, we also have a podcast at the end of every show on uh, www.channelafrica.co.za where you can go to the multi-section or the multimedia section of uh, uh, the website and you can find our podcast there. You go on the African Dialogue uh, link and then you will be able to access our uh, podcasts every day on all these insightful conversations that we are having. Well, that's how we wrap up the conversation of Paul Kagame and uh, hopefully we'll be looking at this particular situation. We've lined up a few conversations with the Rwandan experts, but we just struggled uh, getting through to to them and uh, just phones were just ringing. I don't know if it's because of the political climate right now and the celebrations and uh, the skepticisms around this particular uh, conversation. We'll take a quick break. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get music thereafter. I think we've got lined up music by the awesome South African guitarist and singer Vusi Mahlasela. This one will be titled Sometimes You Can Make It On Your Own. But let's take a quick break before that. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Na 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 na